here this morning. I'm thankful to get to be here with you. Brother Alvin Temple, a good friend of this church down through the years. Why don't you lead us some work first, please, brother? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with grateful hearts for your goodness and your blessings upon us. And Father, we pray for your presence and your guidance in all that's done this morning and throughout this day. For your blessings upon each of these missionaries as they go forth and do the things you call them to do, empower them protected from the evils that exist in the world today. We pray that you would be with each one as they speak and as they labor here until they get to the fields. Direct them in all that they do. Father, help them to face the challenges that they will have to face. Lord, we pray that you bless this church and strengthen it and encourage it and guide them in what they need in their leadership as they seek a pastor. Lord, we know that you in control of all things. We ask your, your guidance and your blessings upon them. We ask it in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. 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 I mean, you may not know Brother Albert, but he was he was a friend of Brother Hugh Atkinson long before Brother Hugh ever came to Texas. In fact, if I if I say this wrong, you can correct me, Brother. But he was a he was a, in an unchurched family. He became he, he became an unadopted and unofficial, but the son of Brother Hugh. He followed he followed Brother Hugh and, and into the ministry and and was coached and taught. That's and Brother Hugh was a great coach. That's right. He coached me a lot. Helped me and. Uh, so, and also, I want to tell you that Brother, Brother uh, Bruce came in sick this morning. He was afraid to stay, afraid he'd give it to somebody, but we got it. He was going to show these videos from Brother Milton Martin. And Brother Jeff is up to speed on, on doing that. And I know you don't ever hear this, Brother. But just take your time and give us whatever you got. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you how much time I had. And then, uh, when um, you get through, we'll be through. Me and my girls, uh, your song, you better sing it. Yes. Me and girls to sing real fast. What's up? Let's do um, Revelation 4, verse 11. That's a quick one, right? One, two, three. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, glory and Glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created, yes, all things created. Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. 
singing because they have they have beautiful voices and I pray God uses them up in our ministry um so I was telling pastor this morning that I don't have powerpoints um I have not come to that place in ministry to uh, know how to do powerpoints yet I'm not tech savvy enough um but I always have power when I point to the word and that is what I leaned on that's what I've leaned on all my deputation time um, so today, um, I have three goals. Um, I can't help but preach when I teach, <laughs> just who I am. Um, but I pray that, you know, I want to let you know our burden, um, that, you know, I would give God's burden on my life for our ministry. That's my first goal. And then my second goal is to... Um, tell you the best thing about me, and that's the Lord saved my soul um, some 17 years ago now. Um, I've almost been saved as long as I've, um, of half of my life. Um, so I just praise God for that. You know, I, you can know how to preach, but are you saved? <laughs> so I, I, I'm saved by God's grace, and I'd like to tell you our testimony this morning. And then um, encourage you by the word. Um, that, is, that is my prayer this morning, is to encourage you by the word also. So we'll begin this morning, um, as the brother was pre- praying, God hit me with Acts 1, verse 8. Um, I see that's the theme of your conference, so I chose to just go there this morning. So let's read together Acts 1, verse 8. Um, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Um, Lord, I pray that you will go with um, Brother Martin and um, the sickness that he's dealing with right now in this hour, and the other man that um, could not be here. I pray that you will just um, keep them right now. Um, heal their bodies. Um, do what you do best. Um, there is no greater healer in this, in all the universe than you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your protection from sickness altogether. We thank you for all that you have done, all that you will do in our lives, Lord. Um, you're just, you're just too good. We can never number your blessings. Uh, we can never um, truly quantify how wonderful you are to us. We can never break it down, Lord, into a, a math problem to just see the answer. Lord, how many times you have blessed us, you have taken, taken care of us, you have protected us. Lord, thank you. That's all we can say is thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I ask that you will bless us this morning once again by your word. Um, bless us by your word. Speak to our hearts. Encourage our spirits. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, the title of this message this morning is, We Are Heaven's First Responders. Um, I am not good at black, you know, I, I'm not good at this either. Um, so it's going to get real crooked. Um, but I pray that you can follow along. 
um, one way I'm, one thing I'm always praying to God is God help me be a better teacher. Um, help me understand how to teach your words. Um, not just um, yell your words, but teach it and teach it well. Um, so this morning I, I pray that God will teach us his word. So heaven first responders. We are heaven's first responders. A couple of questions we're going to answer this morning is, are we responsible? Responsible. Let me make sure I get that right. Um, responsible. Who we are responsible to. And how can we be responsible? And then where? Where we are to be responsible. And inside this, I will share our burden and our testimony with you all. So let's begin. Um, America has the best first responders in all the world. Um, first responders are the heartbeat of our country. Um, without them, this world would be even more scarier than it already is. Um, without first responders, we would be in more danger than we already are in this country in a lot of ways. Um, more people would die without first responders. Um, I- imagine with me this morning if, if, you, if you called and I was a first responder and your house was being robbed. And I came to your house and you saw the boys in the window robbing your place. And I pulled up and I said, ma'am, you're crying. You're, you're pleading. Go stop these boys from robbing me. And I said, ma'am, don't worry about it. Boys will be boys. Just give them time. They'll grow out of it. Um, imagine with me this morning if, if I was a fireman and I came to your home and your home is ablaze. Everything's burning quickly. And you looked at me and said, sir, put out the fire. And I had all the equipment, all the tools, and I looked at you and said, sir, don't worry about it. The fire will put itself out. <laughs> Imagine with me this morning if you ate one of these um, wonderful oranges out there, and you came in the door, and I was a paramedic, and you were choking. You were making the signs, I'm choking, I'm choking, I'm choking. And I looked at you, and I knew how to do the Heimlich removal. I knew how to get that food unlodged from your throat. But I looked at you and said, sir, hold on. I got a sucker. Here's a sticker. Get well soon. (laughs) In all of these cases, you would look at me and say, what a disrespectful, irresponsible first responder you are. And you would say, you're not worth the salt of your badge. Your badge should be taken and you should quit and be fired or be fired right now. You know what we are, children of God? We're heaven's first responders. And as we talked about this last night, that this world is in trouble. This world has problem. It has a major problem. That problem is with God himself. And hell is real. And we heard last night, hell is waiting for all sinners after they die without Christ. We are to be responsible. We are heaven's first responders. And if we are to be his responders, we must be responsible with the Great Commission. So let us begin this morning. Who are we responsible to? Um, Who are we responsible to is our first question Let's look at the middle of our verse. It says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Um, this is Jesus talking here. He, he, he says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Um, who are we responsible to? Jesus. Uh, I'm not responsible to my pastor. Um, I'm not responsible to my church. Um, went to Place Baptist Church. I'm not, I'm not responsible to um, my wife um, to fulfill the Great Commission. I'm responsible to God. 
you're responsible to Jesus. Um, I, I've seen it in my lifetime where, you know, the pastor was there. He was strong. He was a strong pastor. He was dedicated. The people were dedicated, I believe, too often to him and not to Jesus. Because when he moved on, no, no, when he died, those same people became unfaithful to church. Those same people became unfaithful to soul winning. Those same people became lazy in their Christian lives. And I, I thought about that and said, Lord, were they responsible to you? Or were they responsible to a man? And I tell you, if you're responsible to a man, your Christianity will last as long as they are alive. If, you're, if your Christianity is responsible to your mama or to your daddy, your Christianity will die the day they cannot drag you to church anymore. The day that they pass from this, this world to the next. And I fear too often in our Christianity that we are not being responsible to God. We're being responsible to people. We are responsible to God. Amen. Jesus said, you do this unto me. You are my witness. You're to go into this world and preach my name, to tell people about me, for me. So here in this verse, he says, ye shall be. This is, carries the meaning of to exist, to happen, to be present. Um, this is not a um, pastor, you shall be. Deacons, you shall be. No, he says, ye. That's everybody. That's all of us. Not just Peter, not just John. That was all the apostles that day. And that's for all the church. We're all to be mission-minded. We're all to be missionaries in our own places with a work, a school, a play. We are to be God's missionary. So we are responsible to him. And let me break this down in three ways. Three ways we should be his witness. You know, we could say we're responsible to him, but how? How does that work itself out? Uh, the word witness, it, it means martyr. Um, it means a life of death. Too often we think of martyr, at least when I was a young Christian, I used to think of martyr as a Jim Elliot, um, someone who died on the mission field, a Stephen, someone who died preaching the gospel, right? A martyr is someone who actually went out there and died. But that wasn't the essence of the word martyr. This word witness here is martyr. It, the essence of the word is living a life of death. Dying to self, living to God. We are to be his witness it, with our whole life. Three senses we should be his witness. And I'll write those down. Jesus. In three ways we should be as witness. In the legal sense. In the legal sense. This is is the first way we should be as witness. What do I mean by a legal sense? Well, if you ever watch a courtroom show or or, or a trial, um, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a sucker for um, celebrity trials or major trials that's going on in America. Um, oh, when I saw the white Bronco when I was eight years old, <laughs> driving down the highway, and then that trial began, from that moment on, trials had my heart, you know. If the, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. I just remember that, right? Uh, uh, that was the first one that I was indebted to. Now I've, I've watched every one from Johnny Depp's to the one in Wisconsin. I just, I, I can't, I don't know why. I shouldn't be, it's a waste of time, but I still sit there and watch. <laughs> I don't even understand half of what the lawyers are saying, the judge is saying, but it's intriguing. Um, that's why I guess Judge Judy is so rich. Um, so in a legal sense, though, this is to stand up in the courtroom and to make a defense of what you saw, heard, and experienced. This is what the lawyer calls the person up there to do. They sit next to the judge. They put their hand on the Bible. They promise to tell the truth when most, most of the time they're not. Um, and, 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 they, and they're giving a witness to what they saw, heard, and experienced. The night of the crime, the night of the situation, or 
or in the whole situation as a whole, there to give a witness of what they saw, heard, and experienced. Um, this is what God is calling us to do, child of God. We are to stand up in this world, wherever that place is, wherever that courtroom is, in, in the courtroom of life, whether it's at Kroger's, Wendy's, um, uh, whether it's at Taco Bell, it does not matter where it is. We are to stand up and give a witness of what we saw, heard, and experienced of Jesus Christ. So for me, this is, testimony, this is testifying. Um, this, is, this is what we must do. We must testify of Jesus, what he has done in our lives. Um, no one's born um, saved. Um, we all must come to a point where we become born again. Um, for me, it was 17 years ago. Um, I came to church in 2006. I'll be honest with you all. I hated church growing up. I hated it. I despised church. Did not like it. Um, I was one of those people who sat in the back of the church. No offense to anybody in the back. I've learned in the back of the churches. Uh, those people are usually the people that host the guns, the 357s, especially down south. They're the ones that keep us safe from wackos. Um, but I sat back there for different reasons. I sat back there because I was um, wanting to get the best sleep I could. And when you're sitting in the back, there's no one behind you. So if you do this a couple of times, there's no one to um, tap you on your shoulder. There's no embarrassment. Um, did somebody see my head go like this for a moment? And no, I could do that all I wanted, and no one could appease it. No one could uh, interrupt my sleep. My conscience was clear. Um, I, I hated church growing up. Um, my mother drugged me to church, and I miss all all of the tailgating, I missed all of the pregame, pregame show, the pregame show, the, the first and second quarter. That was my fun on Sundays. I looked forward to Sundays to being with my uncles and my cousins, having fun, watching my bangles get whipped. That's, that was my fun. Church impeded that. It got in the way of that. I despised church for that reason. Um, the, the preacher to me was like the Charlie Brown teacher. Uh, as he talked, it was like, womp, 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 womp. And I heard none of it, and I didn't want any of it. Um, he was the biggest liar in the world to me because he would always be saying, I'm almost done, when I knew he wasn't almost done. Uh, why is this man, why are y'all listening to this liar? That's what I'm thinking. Um, I was lost. Um, Paul paints it this way, I was dead in trespasses and sins. Um, the day I came to church, I did, uh, my kids are going to one day think, oh, well, they probably already think daddy was born with a suit and tie on, <laughs> preaching from the pulpit. My children don't know the man I was before. Um, if I could just give you an outside look on my life, I had gold teeth in my mouth. I had dreads down to my shoulders, and I had my pants down below my behind. Um, I was a child of my culture. Um, I was a, a child of my environment. I walked as, as Paul says, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You know, people in um, cartoons, they try to put the angel on one side, the devil on the other side. Now, it was just the devil. He was the, he was the whisperer in my ears, do this, do that. He was leading my way. That's what Paul says. And you know what? The same is true for you, if you before you were saved. No one's born a holy roller. Uh, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the power that work of now in the children of disobedience. We also had. Uh, Paul makes it clear in Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 4. He says, we walked according to the lust of our flesh, the lust of the mind. What I thought, what I wanted, what I lusted after in this world is what I wanted. And it's where I was going. Um, I came to church at 19. I had my own car. You know, if you get your own car, you, you think you're grown. You made it now. You can go where you want. I could go to all the tailgating and all the fun I wanted. But I went to church that Sunday in 2006. Out of some, I believe, more or less religion. It wasn't because I was looking to make a change for Jesus. It wasn't looking, I was not looking to turn over my life. I was baptized at 9. In my mind, I was comfortable. I was going to go to heaven. 
but I was lost. I was dead. And I came to church out of religion. Just a conscious, you know, if any conscious I had, it was because my mother, I could hear my mother's voice. You know, you could just hear your mother's voice saying, boy, you should be at church. You know, and I went that Sunday. And I never imagined in all my life that day that I will meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, If you would ask me why, Daniel, did you make a decision for Christ? Uh, Why did you turn your life over to Christ that day? Why did you begin your following him? I would have told you I was out of my mind. It made no sense to me. Uh, I know better now that God got a hold of me that day. Uh, he, He took a hold of my life that day. Um, I understand when Jesus tells Nicodemus, the wind blows where it lists. You don't see the wind. You only see the effects. You see the hurricane. You see the tornado. You see the damage, but you don't see the wind. In the same way, I didn't see the Holy Spirit that day, but I felt the effects. I was born again. I was, as Paul would say in Ephesians 2 verse 1, I was quickened. Ye who were dead were quickened. I was quickened by the Holy Spirit. He made me alive to God. Uh, I can witness this today that I have experienced the Holy Spirit's life flowing through me. I can witness this day and I can witness in my community that I have experienced the love of God. I've experienced his grace. I've heard his word. I've seen his work. And I know he's alive, not because I've seen the empty tomb, but because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Jesus is alive today because he's living in me. Uh, I I make a legal defense to this world. I make a legal defense to our community that I know Jesus is alive because I'm not the man I was before. I I, I told you I hated church. After that day, I couldn't even recognize the man in the mirror. Uh, I, I was now sitting in the front row. Taking notes. Who is this man? That's what I'm thinking in my mind. Who, who is this man now? I, I want the word of God. Yeah. I wanted him. Um, I used to pride myself for eight years before God called me into the ministry. I used to go to work reading my Bible, reading my Bible at work. People used to ask me, are you a preacher or something? I said, no, I'm a Christian. Christians read their Bibles, Amen. don't they? Amen. I wanted more of him. I never, I never read the Bible in my, I never read the Bible, I never read a, a book in my life before 19. I never read a whole book. Now I've read 66. Now I've read, I've, I own so many books. Any preacher here can testify to this, and Christian. I own so many books, I don't even have time to read them all. Yeah. I see them and I just get lustful, like, I, I want that book. That's a good title. <laughs> I don't got no time for it. I still got these books I didn't read, but let's get some more books. You know, I had to cut myself off from Amazon. Like, stop. It's like, you, it's, it's as a kid, I hated broccoli. I hated Brussels sprouts. I really hated those things. And then you grow up and you grow a taste for them for some reason. Some of us don't. Um, but I grew a taste for Brussels sprouts now. Like, I like it burning on the grill and the honey taste. It's good. If it's done right, it's good. You want it. You know, I never would have dreamed of that, right? You grow up with new taste buds. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what we get witness to that one day Jesus did not taste good to me. I hated tasting. I hated the word. I didn't have a desire for it. And then one day you wake up and one day the Holy Spirit moves on your life. You become born again. And one day now he is old taste and see that the Lord is good. He changed my life. I, I, I can't give all the answers on um, that this world wants, the atheists want, the evolutionists want. I can't answer all those questions. Uh, and God, neither does God want us. A fool can win an argument. The wise win souls. And, and, and I can testify to what I've experienced. You can make all these doubtful claims. The world can make all the doubtful false teaching claims. But I know what I experienced. And I know what he's done in my life. I know who I was before and I know who I am today. We must make a legal defense in this world of the gospel. After I got saved, I had another desire. 
I'm going to embarrass my wife this morning. I found a little scripture in Proverbs, you know, start reading the Bible. And it said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Okay, I'm going to put an APB out, put the manhood out, I'm going to find this wife. Well, for me, I went to Sunday schools, I went to revival meetings, she wasn't there. Sunday school, she wasn't there. The morning services, um, fellowships, you know, big fellowships of many churches, she wasn't there. And I went to Wendy's. And she was there. Um, She's the reason why I know Wendy's will be in heaven. Um, That that day I met her, we began to date. Um, I'm a babe in Christ. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm very zealous, but I lack much knowledge. Um, Be patient with babes in Christ. Very zealous, but lack much knowledge. Um, I said, uh, I'm going to get this woman saved. That was my duty. So uh, within a week, within the first day, I don't know, within the first month, I was giving her everything I could find in the scripture. Everything I learned in my year and a half, I was going to get her saved in one day. It didn't work. I, I was disappointed. Um, I, I was like, what is going on here? Why? It, it worked on me. Why, why is she seeing it? Right. Um, and then God had to humble me. We broke up. My Pharisaic ways and her loss, being lost, um, it, it was oil and water. In God's time, though, eight months later, she called me. She said, Daniel, I really miss your smile. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she said, Daniel, I want to go to church with you. God makes you feel that little. He reminded me that day that salvation belonged up to the Lord. I felt like Jonah. Get out my way, boy. Let me do what I do best. And then God, the second Sunday she came to church with me, God saved her soul. The woman she will meet today is not the woman she was before that day. Um, she gave her life to Christ. Um, we got married in 2010. That's another new thing for me. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Um, I never dreamed of wanting to have a wife, um, wanting to share a life with one person for the rest of my life. Um, but that's what God does. He gives you new desires, yeah. new goals. Um, after that, we had children, five of them, five children in a decade. Uh, we've been married now for 12 years. Um, by God's grace, I have five children that I want to lead to heaven, that I want to love. Like, that wasn't me. I I had no dream or no goals of of marrying a woman and having five children who would take my money for the rest of my life. That was, I loved my money. I was, love of money is the root of all evil. All all kinds of evil, all evil. Love of money is, I know who I was. I was self-absorbed, self-consumed, self-centered, young, 19-year-old boy. God changes you. I, I see the liberals. I see pro-choice. I see abortionists. And, 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 and I see the killing of babies. And I say to myself, there go I but the grace of God. I'm no better. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons for abortions, I think the primary reason, the love of money. And I loved it. Uh, I, I, money over everything. That was my mentality. That's what I was taught from the music I was listening to, from the people I was around. So it made sense, money over babies. That was logical in my mind. But grace. God's amazing grace. Amen. He changes you. So I, I don't care what the naysayers say. I can stand up as a witness as God's heaven, heaven's first responders, they give a legal defense. And I'll tell you, child of God, your greatest defense against the naysayers is what you have seen, heard, and experienced in the grace of God. Um, Paul, one thing you recognize from Paul, everywhere he turned, everywhere we turned in the Bible, he wasn't making some, he wasn't always making theological um, witnesses. Um, no, when he stood in front of the kings, the princes of his day, he would go back to, 
I was killing Christians. Then I met Christ. Just read. Read when he stood in front of a, uh, uh, um, um, ah, his name is slipping my mind. Um, Prince of Rome. Ah, what's his Agrippa. name? Agrippa. Uh, when he stood up um, in front of the Jews, he would always go back to what he seen, heard, and experienced that day on the, ray, on the way to Damascus. And I tell you too often, we get too far out there and looking for arguments against the evolutionaries and, and trying to defend God and creation. We get away from keeping it simple. What did God do in your life? Mm-hmm. I, I love the people that Jesus meet in, in, in his life, in his ministry. They, they, were, they were simple people like me. The woman at the well, she didn't know anything. Jesus told her to her face. What you think you know, you don't, you don't know. <laughs> Salvation belongs to the Jews. He told her to her face, you're ignorant. The moment she saw the Messiah, what did she do? She didn't go in that city telling them, I know now where to worship. She ran that city and said, come see a man who told me all that ever I've done. Is not this the Christ? She kept it simple. She, what she seen, heard, and experienced. What did the man do that was blind all his life? Never read a, a book of this Bible. Never, never got to put his eyes on a verse of this Bible. He told those Pharisees to their face. They have much knowledgeable, much, they know way more than he ever knew. He said, one thing I do know, that I was blind and now I see. I can't tell you everything. I can't make these debates about is he a sinner or not. I can't give you all the answers about Noah's flood and Jonah's wells and um, seven days of Christmas. I can't give you every little detail. I can't answer all these fictitious questions which Paul tells us don't argue about. But I can tell you what he's done in my life. And you can tell him, child of God, what he's done in your life. The same is true with um, I love the man who was filled with demons. He said, Jesus, can I go with you? He had legions in him. I don't know how long, probably most of his life. He said, Jesus, can I go with you? I need some discipleship. Jesus said, no, you can't come and learn from me. Go home, tell your friends what you have experienced of God's compassion. You know what he did? He went to the the capitalists. He didn't just go to his friends. You know, he couldn't make any excuse. Lord, I've been filled with demons. I'm, I'm just not a social person. Like, like uh, uh, social skills, I don't have much. I've been scratching my body and screaming and running people out of the graveyard and breaking chains and uh, demons, 6,000 demons. Have any of us, I mean, uh, no, I've never had been possessed by demons, praise the Lord. But can you imagine that? But he did it because he was obedient to the Great Commission and Jesus commissioned him, Go. Go where I can't go. You remember the people kicked Jesus out. Get out of here. We don't want you around here, Jesus. You killed our pigs. We like our bacon too much. Get out. But he told that man, go where I can't go. You know what he did? He went. You know what? Jesus came back to that coast. Guess what was waiting for him? A crowd. 6,000. He ended up feeding people, about 4,000 people, 4,000 men on that coast. Go read it. Mark 7. Why was those people there? Why was those crowds there now greeting Jesus? Can't wait till he comes. Begging him for a miracle. Bringing people for miracles. I believe it's because that man went to those ten cities and told people about what Jesus did in his life. We are to be his witness in a legal sense. Excuse me, I'm going down rabbit trails. And in a historical sense. This is a historical sense. Historical. We have the greatest... Um, we have the greatest history book right here, the Bible. Uh, we are to give historical proof. Though I, I know that our greatest witness, I believe, is what we have experienced in God's grace, being born again. But we are to give a witness of this book. You know, testimonies is good. Testimonies is great. Testimonies can make somebody cry, but the word saves. So we have to come back to the word. Paul eventually always came back to Jesus died according to the scriptures. He rose from the grave according to the scriptures. So he always came back to the gospel, always came back to the scriptures. The scriptures are definitely, we must center our minds in a historical system, go out to this world and tell them what we learned in this book. Jesus used it twice in the Great Commission teaching. 
teaching. Teach all nations, right? We got on the show. Teaching. You can't teach somebody if you don't know anything. We have to know something, Christians. We have to learn. We have to grow. Um, listen to Daniel's testimony last night. Just the teaching. He's teaching people how to lead people to the gospel. Lead others to the gospel. Um, we have to be willing to, to learn. I think the saddest night of the week at the church is no one's there for Wednesday nights. Even members of the church. I think it just shows a, a low view of wanting to learn more in our Christian faith, in our Baptist churches. Our Sunday schools are empty. I think that shows a lack of we should be wanting to learn, but we don't have the desire to learn. We are students. That's what disciples mean, students. You're learning from someone, right? John said, behold the Lamb of God. His disciples became Jesus' disciples. He wanted them to go learn from the, the Messiah, the Son of God. We have to be students of Jesus. Um, it's sad to, if you, just think, to my, think out loud. I'm thinking out loud. An electrician say he's been an electrician for 30 years, right? And he says, I've been an electrician for 30 years, and I can do anything electrically. You bring him to your house, you say, hey, can you hook up that light for me? He says, well, I don't know really how to do that. You would say to yourself, or you say to him out loud, you're a liar. <laughs> Somebody's lying. Um, you can't do this. This is simple. Why can't you, you can't screw in a light bulb, right? It's the same for us Christians. We have too many Christians that say, I've been saved for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. And they can't lead somebody to salvation. That, that shouldn't be. Is somebody lying? That's what it comes to us. Or, or is somebody being lazy in learning? We have to learn. We have to be a witness in a historical sense. And in the ethical sense, ethical This is living what we learn. Living what we learn. We are to be an example of what we have been experienced, what we have experienced from God's grace, and what we have learned from God's word. We're to live it out. Uh, we are to live out in front of this world, as, as the people would say, practice what you preach. We must practice what we learn. Um, we know James, he's a big stickler on this. James will almost make you think, <laughs> he, he will go so far and make you think, like, if you're not bearing enough fruit, you're not saved. That's kind of he makes you feel, but he's just putting the weight on us to understand there must be fruit if we say we have faith. There's got to be some fruit there. A tree, an apple tree, it says it's an apple tree. You say it's an apple tree. You plant an apple tree, and it does not give you apples. It's not an apple tree. That's right. right? It's just common sense. And, and, and our salvation is not wrapped up in our good works. And James is not trying to make that case. Our salvation is wrapped up in Christ. Amen. But we must not be hypocrites. Amen. We must not be hypocrites. We must be doers of the word. So, in the ethical sense, we must be his witness. And, and that's our goal. That's me and my family's goal. As we go to our community, as we go into our mission, we want to be Jesus' witness. In a legal sense, historical sense, in an ethical sense. And showing God's grace in our lives. So, let me go to our second question. And I hasten through second and third. How can we be responsible? Um, this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's at the beginning of our verse, verse 8, again. He says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I know you feel like I feel at times. There's no way I can do this. Right? I'm not bold enough. I lack boldness. I, 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 I'm not historical enough. I, I lack some information. 
It's hard for me to get across what I read here at times, to articulate it. You may feel that way. I feel that way at times. Uh, ethical, I, Lord, I, I mess up. I mess up often. Lord, I've slipped and I fall. How? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Understand something. Jesus didn't begin his church in chapter 2. Jesus began his church in his earthly ministry. The church was already the church. They had the ordinance. They had a treasurer, which killed himself, which killed himself. Um, They had a... They, they had the great, God already commissioned them in ways to preach the gospel to the lost sheep of Israel. They were already functioning as a church, but they didn't have the power. Jesus was their power. Jesus died, they were done. Jesus was alive, they went back. Right? They quit. Jesus, Jesus died, they quit. They all hide, they all went their own way. Jesus came alive, the power was back on, they had power again. Now Jesus is leaving. Who's going to be the power? The day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was like this building. This building is a building. The church was the church. But that day on the day of Pentecost, he put the electricity on in the building. He put the power on in the church. He energized the church. For what reason? For the witness. For the ministry of the Lord's church. So, we are to lean into this power. We are to be filled with this power. And Peter, when he preached, you read Acts 4, he was filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Acts 4, after being arrested, after getting out of being arrested, he came and he told the church, we're, 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 we're in trouble. We're, we're, we're in trouble. I got arrested. What did they do at Acts 4? They prayed. For what? For boldness. Here's the apostles praying for boldness. They needed the Holy Spirit. There was no other way to do ministry. Jesus was the son of God before he was baptized and the Holy Spirit fell on him. But the Holy Spirit fell on him for the ministering of being the Messiah. The church was the church. The The Holy Spirit fell on them so they can minister. And I tell you, child of God, it's the same true today. We don't need another Pentecost. We have all the Holy Spirit that we need. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit have enough of us? Are we surrendered enough to the Holy Spirit? Are we filled enough? When was the last time you prayed, Holy Spirit, give me boldness as I go into this job to tell someone about Jesus? And that's our prayer. Lord, give me boldness. Give my wife boldness. Give my children boldness as we go into Kennedy Heights to preach your word. Give us boldness. Because without you, we're going to fail. So we must have the boldness. That's how we can be responsible. And then lastly, where? That's the end of our verse. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So he tells us Jerusalem. He tells the church Jerusalem. Now I know we usually say go to your Jerusalem. And I understand that. Um, I do understand that. But Jerusalem is a literal place across the globe. Praise the Lord, we're, we're in the other most part of the earth. Just realize how much the gospel has went forward. God has not failed. The other most part of the earth is right here, right now. So Jerusalem, is, it is some application. And I mentioned this last night. He's telling them to go to the most religious. Go to the most who they who think they're so holy, who think they got it right with God, who put their faith in their works, go to them. They need the gospel. And then he says in all Judea, um, the application here would be those who are in close quarters to us, um, those who are close to us. Uh, my my children, my grandchildren, not my grandchildren yet. My grand my grandparents, um, uh, my. My nieces, my nephews, my family, my mother. I got to get the gospel to them. You got to get the gospel to those who are in close quarters to you. And then Samaria. I love Samaria. This is the one that makes, made, I believe it made the church eyebrow goes up. It made the eyebrow go up. <laughs> Samaria. 
Imagine he's telling Jews to go to Samaritans. That was a no-no. They went around it. Me and brother was talking about last night. This is their enemies. They heard, go to your enemies. Go, as the woman at the well told Jesus, there's Samaritan water pots. There's Jewish water pots. Why are you asking water for me? We have no dealings together. We don't do life together. Jesus is telling them, go to those who you don't do life with. Go to those who you don't like them, they don't like you. Go to those who get on your last nerves. I mean, that last nerve in the back of your neck. You know, I, I met people, I don't even know them, but they get on my nerves. I don't understand why, but it's something about them I don't like. They need the gospel. Those who vote different than you, they need the gospel. Those who see life in a different lens than you see it, they need the gospel. So Samaritan, Samaria, love your enemies. Preach the gospel to your enemies. And then the uttermost part of the earth. As I said, this is the uttermost part of the earth. But I like to add to that in saying this, uh, put this application with that. There's no one too far gone. If, if, if we call right Texas, right here in Texas, we've seen this. The anger poured out on the first responders yeah. in the city in Texas, Uvea. The anger, because they did not respond. Though the situation was ugly, their responsibility was to respond. Though the situation was grimace, it was deadly. Their response made people cry out, fire them. Heads need to roll. And I tell you, child of God, we cannot say that situation is too ugly. That place is too dirty. That's in the bad side of the, 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 the city. We can't say that that person's too far gone. It's too many tattoos, too many pierces. He's too far gone. That person's too this or too that. We cannot say that. No one is too far gone from God's grace. Uh, we wasn't. The uttermost part of the earth wasn't. The pagans of the Roman Empire wasn't. The barbarians wasn't. The, the, the tribes that ate people wasn't. Right? There's missionaries on record that went to people who ate people. And they, they, they got them saved by God's grace. They stopped eating people. They couldn't say it was too far gone. And it's the same for us. America may seem, people around us may seem like they will never come to faith. This generation may seem like it's too far gone, but it's not. God's grace is amazing. Uh, even if you cannot go to all these places. Um, understand, learn a lesson from Abraham. I love Abraham. Abraham heard the news. Solomon Gomorrah is going to go up in flames. God told him, I'm not going to hold this from I'm not going to hold this from my child Abraham. I'm about to burn up Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't say, well, it's about time. That place is Down. The Bible says Lot escaped that city, and God remembered. Lot was knee deep in wretchedness. Though it vexed his soul, he was all around the pride flats. He was at the he was in the community as the pride parades went by. He lived among it. Abraham did say, "My nephew's too far gone. He'll never come out." No, he went to pray. Amen. And I encourage you, child of God, pray. Pray for that nephew. Pray for that niece. Pray for that grandchild that seemed like that soul knee deep into this culture. Pray that God will deliver, deliver, deliver. So, we are to be heaven's first responders. Our goal is to respond to our community, to our city. To plant the Lord's church, to preach the Lord's gospel, and to see souls saved. I am a living witness that I know God is a 
He's a life changer. Yeah. Amen. I'm no son of a preacher. I'm the son of an alcoholic. I'm the grandson of an alcoholic. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a nephew of aunts and uncles who are alcoholics. Um, God is a generational curse breaker. Yeah. Come on, brother. There's, there's nothing too strong that God cannot break. No That's thing. right. I believe in my community, my community is full with drugs, alcoholics, broken homes, uh, mother, mothers who have two or three families. My, my wife's mother, she has um, children from two different dads. Her grandmother has children with two different dads. God is a generational curse breaker. And I believe in my community that though there may be people, uh, mothers who have two different dads, God can still save their soul. Amen. Deliver them from a life of despair and fornication. Right. He's a mighty good Savior. Yes, yes. Our city looks no different than any other city in America. Yeah. But it still needs the gospel. Yes, and that's our goal is to put to plant the Lord's church to preach God's gospel and see people come to live a new life. God forbid I write to you a newsletter I got 20 saved, and then the next Sunday, none of them are back at church. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. Yeah. Right. I want people who are saved and their lives are changing. Paul speaks of that, that they will no longer live unto themselves. That's right. But live unto him who died and rose from the grave. That's right. Pray for us. I am with three prayer requests. Can't know the time. Okay. Let me give a full bit. In good faith that I am done. <laughs> pray for my wife. Pray for me. Um, I am a, a man who loves the Lord, but um, I'm subjected to falling, subjected to sinning. I pray that God will um, keep me, guide me, and Amen. keep me from falling into a sin that will totally damage and destroy my ministry. To pray for my wife. Uh, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, and she's a... Um, Preacher's wife. They say those are two of the most depressed women in America. <laughs> uh, pray for my wife that God will give her peace. Um, I would love to Pastor Daniel's wife talked about it yesterday. Every time there was craziness, she had a peace. That's the peace I pray in the times of all craziness for my wife. And then pray for my children. And that God will save all their souls. And they will grow in the ministry of the Lord's church. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. Pray that you bless our time together. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's really pray. Let's link up arms. Hey, look, we don't look alike. <laughs> but we're children of the Lord. That's Amen. right. Amen. Amen. And the same God saved him, same God saved me. Amen. That's right. He washed out all of that junk. Amen. Let's really pray right now, would you? We're praying together so we can go out there to where they are and tell them what's happened. Be witnesses of what God's done. for the burden on my brother. Lord, I thank you that we both call you Father. Amen. The same Holy Spirit in him, the same Holy Spirit in me. Lord, the same experience it took, it took the grace of God to reach down to a sinner and bring him out of a miry pit, set his feet on a solid rock. Now, Lord, would you help us as we try to be your witnesses and tell them tell those that are too far gone and those that are just slipping into a life of sin or it'll take the grace of God for both of them or if we can't do it it'll take you to do it I pray you stir our hearts for the lost help us to be your 
missionaries, your first responders. Help us to earnestly contend for the faith. Please have your way with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, brother. Bless me, brother. Amen. 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 Amen.